The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus departed from there and came to his native place, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. They said, Where did this man get all of this? What kind of wisdom has been given him? What mighty deeds are wrought by his hands? Is he not the carpenter, the son of Mary? and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his native place and among his own kin in his own house. So he was not able to perform any mighty deed there apart from curing a few sick people by laying his hands on them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Uh, praise like the Lord. You guys braved through the parade, huh? It was amazing. Last night at Mass, it was half Loyalton. So, in anticipation of, uh, of the parade here, which, con- which conflicts with our time, but praise the Lord. Worship the God nonetheless. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you the story, the tale, of two rebellions. One rebellion happened 245 years ago. The other rebellion, 2,600 years ago. The first rebellion, just. The second, unjust. And you probably know the first rebellion of which I speak. It is the reason why you bought all the hot dogs last night, why there's no more steak at Leonard's. (laughs) while the beer is gone. The first rebellion, of course, was the founding of our nation. I want to read you an excerpt before one of the major battles of of the American Revolution. So what you're about to hear is an excerpt of a speech that George Washington gave to the Continental Army before the Battle of Long Island on August 27th, 1776. So remember, this is Just what? Over a month after the Declaration of Independence? And Washington would say this to the men. The time is now near at hand, which must probably determine whether Americans are to be free men or slaves. Whether they are to have any property they can call their own, whether their houses and farms are to be pillaged and destroyed and themselves consigned to a state of wretchedness for which no human efforts will deliver them. The fate of unborn millions will now depend 
under God on the courage and conduct of this army. Our cruel and unrelenting enemy leaves us only the choice of brave resistance or the most abject submission. We have therefore the resolve to conquer or die. That was on the eve of battle. It may sound dramatic. Why is Washington being so dramatic here? But look at the odds that he was facing. So let's send the groundwork. In 1776, we are 13 colonies. We numbered around 2.5 million Americans at that time, not counting Native Americans or slaves yet. So it's 2.5 million Americans. Look at who we're standing up against. The British Empire. They were the most mightiest empire at that time period. The sun did not set on the British Empire at that time period. Remember, at that time, they had swaths of North America. They had huge swaths of Africa, huge swaths of Australia, of India, of the Pacific Island chain. The British Empire had the strongest navy. They had the most battle-hardened army on earth. And here was George Washington with a ragtag army of, <laughs> of people who would now face against them. Now, do you see the drama behind this? I think this is one of the reasons why, as Americans, we love an underdog story. <laughs> because we are the underdogs. And we won. We won. This rebellion against King George III was right and just. Imagine if our forefathers did not rebel. Let me ask you, would it have been easier for them to simply submit to King George III? Would it have been easier to simply say, you know what, King George, yes, we love your taxes. Tax us to death. We don't care. And we could have all went home back to our plantations and our homes. We could have just, all right, George, we'll submit to your authority. Would that have been easier to do? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then what would have happened? The United States would have just been like Canada. <laughs> we would have been Canada of the South. Maybe not too bad. Maybe we'd all be more polite like the Canadians and have that funny accent saying A, A after every single word. Right? We'll just be Canada of the South. That's what we would be if our founding fathers took the easy way out and said, all right, fine. We'll stay loyal to the crown. When George Washington, in that beautiful address, said, the fate of unborn millions hang in the balance. Who do you think he's talking about there? You and I. If they did not rebel, could you imagine if they took the easy way out, how much history would be different? First rebellion. The second rebellion now is where we have the prophet Ezekiel. 
Now let me set the stage just as I did in the first rebellion. So Ezekiel is prophesying to the southern kingdom of Judah in, in the 6th century B.C. So remember at this time period, Israel was originally one kingdom, 12 tribes, but they fell into this cord. They fought one another. So they separated themselves. Ten tribes in the north, known as the kingdom of Israel, and then two tribes in the south, known as the kingdom of Judah. Centuries before, the northern kingdom got wiped out by the Assyrians. And so the only existing kingdom now of the Jewish people is the kingdom of Judah. And that is where the, the name, where we get Jewish from, Judah, Jews. And so what was happening but now in the 6th century, why Ezekiel goes to Judah was because they are rebelling. A quote. Son of man, Ezekiel. God now speaking to him says, I am sending you to the Israelites. Rebels who have rebelled against me. Their ancestors have revolted against me to this very day. They are hard of face, obstinate of hearts. And they to whom I am sending you. You see, what happened here in the 6th century was that the Jewish people had begun to stray from the law of their ancestors. Remember, Moses beautifully received the Ten Commandments. God himself had given them the structure of their worship. He literally gave them, and you can see this in the Old Testament, he gave them the exact prescription of how to build the sacred temple of Jerusalem. He gave them the exact measurements of how tall the walls would be, how the Ark of the Covenant should look, how God wanted to be worshipped. And the Jewish people were faithful for a while. But then what happened? It happens to all of us. They started to mimic and to behave like everybody else around them. Because what was around them were people who were mightier, stronger, more beautiful, more wealthy. And what happens to us when we see somebody like that? Let's be honest, what happens? Jealousy <laughs> comes up and say, ah, I want to be like them. And so by the 6th century BC, Israel had rebelled against God for three primary sins. The first was idolatry. They started worshiping the gods of their neighbors. Remember, that's the sin against the first commandment. Thou shalt not have any other gods above me. Meaning what they did was that they took, remember, what God is supposed to be for us. God is supposed to be paramount. We're supposed to love him with all our heart, with all our mind, and all of our strength. He, everything is supposed to revolve around God our entire lives. That's what we're meant to be. But we don't always do that. And so the Jewish people took God off the pedestal in his rightful place. And put the gods, the pagan gods, the fake gods above him. The second rebellion that the Jewish people did against the Lord was that they no longer kept the Sabbath. Remember the third commandment. Should be a day of rest, a day of worship. Or if you want to use our modern parlance, especially as 21st century Christians, they no longer went to Mass on Sundays. Why? You know why. 
When we don't honor the the Holy Sabbath, what do we replace it with? The endless pursuit of what? Money, power, honor, pleasure. It's always one of those four things. Unless unless you're on your deathbed, unless you're in the middle of of the Pacific Ocean, we are called by God himself to be at Mass on Sunday. There's no reason to skip. The Jews at their time period in the 6th century had fallen away from the Sabbath. And then thirdly, they had desecrated the sacred sanctuary of the temple. Remember the temple, the Holy of Holies was God's most sacred place. They defiled it. I'm not going to say what they did in the Holy of Holies because it is, because we have little ones here. But they defiled the sacred temple. Why? They mimicked the cults of the surrounding powers and empires. And they brought it into the sacred temple. Because they wanted to be like everybody else again. And so they rebelled. And so God now, loving the Jewish people to the very end, would send them prophets. Ezekiel. And Ezekiel would go to the Jewish people and he would say to them, the people that I'm sending you, he went to call them out. See, this is a hard one because none, none of us likes being called out, especially when we're in the wrong. If I tell you that you're, you're, you're sinning in your current predicament, you're not going to like me. Why are you talking like that? Stop telling me what to do, right? Is, is, is a natural response of the person. But Ezekiel went to the Jewish people and said, Come back to God, honor the Sabbath. Replace God back at the center of your life and stop desecrating the sanctuary. Did they listen? Do we listen? (laughs) Fellow sinners, no. And in the year 587, King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonian Empire, modern-day Iraq, swooped down and devastated the city of Jerusalem. He leveled it. He took the sacred temple built by Solomon, destroyed it brick by brick. Ezekiel warned them, if you did not repent, this would happen. And they were exiled to Babylon. If you notice, every rebellion, whether it's the American rebellion or the rebellion of the Judah, of the kingdom of Judah. It's always against an authority, isn't it? We rebelled against King George III, a rightful authority. But he used authority wrongly and we rebelled and won. The Jewish people were rebelling against God himself. An unjust rebellion. You see, it's just like with my own mother. If my mother tells me, Brian, clean your room. Clean your room. I use your mother. I want you to clean your room. If I rebel against her, is that good or bad? <laughs> bad. I have to clean my room. Why? Because my mother and my father have authority over me. Unless they're telling me to do something wrong, I must honor the fourth commandment and obey. Because they have authority over us. You see, every rebellion that is unjust, whether it's rebelling against our parents or rebelling against God himself, there is in in it intertwined a lie. 
which is an echo of the same lie that the devil used with Adam and Eve. That God's laws and commandments is in direct contradiction to my happiness. You see, that's the heart of every rebellion. Is that God's laws, when he says, for example, let, let, let's really bring it home. If I, if I don't want to go to Mass on a Sunday, I know it's God's commandment. And I say, God, you know what? I got too much to do. And I rebel against him. Essentially what I'm saying is that, God, I, I know what's, what's better for me. I'd rather do this rather than honor you and honor the Sabbath because my way is better in this occasion. Do you see the inherent lie in there? It presupposes that God's laws is in contradiction to me. That's a lie. It's the same lie that the devil whispered to Adam's Eve ear when he said, remember, did God really say that to you? Essentially what he's saying to them is that God is a liar. If you want to be happy, you have to break free from him. And hence, the first rebellion began. We must first understand that God is our father. That God's laws, as hard as it is, is for our good. Because imagine, if the God of the universe who created all of this, he wants only what's best for us. He's not going to give us anything that's in contradiction to our truest happiness. Now, mind you, is it harder to follow God's law? Absolutely. Was it harder for George Washington and the Founding Fathers to stand up against the might of the British Empire? Absolutely. But we must do it anyway. Because our just, our cause is just. Just as it is to be Christians, to be disciples of, our, of Jesus Christ. If we want to be rebels now, you are called to be a faithful Catholic. 100%. Which is why up here you will never hear me contradicting any of the church's teachings. While I will su- willfully submit myself to all of the church's teachings, even those that are in contradiction to the world's whims. Why? Because God himself has given these teachings to us. And if I have faith that God is God, that he created me, wants the highest good for me, how can I rebel against him? He is our father. And just like in the gospel reading today, it takes faith and trust that God's way is the most noble and the most heroic and the hardest. And you, my brothers and sisters, are invited to choose the better path. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit.